Mario Rosenstock have a podcast? He have a what? He have a podcast? Who? Mario Rosenstock, he have a podcast? Who have we on the podcast? He have Spillane in the hand. Spillane in the hand. Spillane in the hand. Ah, do you know what? I love John Spillane. I've always loved John Spillane. Quirky, engaging, unique, um, inspired. A singer-songwriter with lyrics you just wouldn't find anywhere else. I mean, who else would write a song um, called The Dunstores Girl? John is one of the most interesting and loved singer-songwriters in the country. And we talk about all sorts of stuff on this week's podcast. His love of Irish mythology, meeting one of his musical heroes, Brian Eno. And of course, his great love of not only Ireland, but also Cork as well. In that beautiful, melodic, thick Cork accent he does. And the way his unashamed self-confidence. I'm brilliant, Mario. How are you? I'm brilliant, Mario. And we kind of get to the bottom of that unashamed self-confidence. And if it actually is self-confidence or if it is something else. And you know when you sit down with John that it's not going to be your usual type of interview. Um, And this one certainly doesn't disappoint. But I think when I reached the age of about 32 or 33, I said this is no good this isn't working out for me i wanted to be you know a songwriter and a great songwriter and so i think i just became brave and i said well this is the best song i can write at the moment and this is my song there was cha there was moya there was billa they were picking blackers uh, in ringabella and they were down in panna and we went out to the greener and we were hanging around <laughs> yeah, yeah, picking yeah. the blackers by the greener and everything ended in ah and the thing about the immigration and the the you know anti-immigrants and the racism is that like they don't want all these people coming in here like you know into our country you know what I mean from other nationalities but they, they seem to think it's fine for Irish people to go anywhere they want <laughs> yeah 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 you know it does it, it's it's there's that connection is never made no I have been down about things definitely and I have had a, you know quite a difficult journey at times personally you know with relationships etc so I think the positivity is it's all put on so. When I say, will we be brilliant or what? It's like, it's what is manifesto. the other option? It's a manifesto. It's a conscious choice. It's like, what is the other option? like? As usual, I had loads of crack and there was loads of laughter and madness coming up, um, which you can hear on my chat with John in just a few minutes time. But before that, um, we'll have a brand new comedy sketch. And I'm delighted that actually um, it's you guys that are responsible for this new comedy sketch because you inspired me to bring back the great Vincent Brown for... A long time now, I've been wondering what the hell would Vincent Brown make of this country and what's happening at the moment, especially over the last year and a half um, with the pandemic. How would Vincent Brown, what would his show would have been like? Um, what, would, what do you make of the Fianna, Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil government um, and the, the Greens? And more to the point in this week's sketch, what he would have made of the Sapone, the Sapone Gate um, uh, fiasco. That's all coming up soon. But before all that, I've also got a very, very fancy piece of technology to give away to you. Thanks to our friends and supporters at Curry's PC World. One lucky listener to the Mario Rosenstock podcast will win a gorgeous, here I'm out of my league now when I'm doing this stuff, HP Pavilion, two-in-one laptop with a 14-inch touchscreen, Intel Core i3 processor, 8.5 hours battery life and loads of other fancy bells and whistles. Curry's PC World is the very best place to buy your laptops and devices for school and college. And so... In order to be in with the chance to win this lovely prize, you need to transport yourself back to your own days in school and college. I want you to take a trip back through memory lane and unearth some potentially embarrassing 
or awkward memories that you can remember. I can certainly remember loads. We all remember our school, college days. Yes, we want your stories about a time when you did something really stupid, idiotic, when you let yourself down, when you let the guard down. Embarrassing. Those moments and ended up maybe in the principal office or a time you really embarrassed yourself in front of your classmates or maybe you have a great story from sharing a house during your university days. I want to hear your stories because the best story will win this super prize. It can be anything as long as it makes us laugh because we probably publish it on the Mario Rosenstock podcast and you can send it in as a voice note to me. Maybe these stories are just from last year. Maybe they're from years and years ago um, and they're buried deep in your memory banks and you're just, you know, recalling them now. Crucially, you need to tell your story in your own words. The way I'm sort of babbling away here. And then what you do is you send a WhatsApp voice note to the Mario Rosenstock podcast hotline. Keep it short, keep it snappy, and you'll be in the draw. We will play some of our favourite entries out on the podcast over the next couple of weeks. And the story that makes our esteemed panel of judges laugh, me and Patrick, the hardest will win the prize. The number to send your voice notes to is 87 268 5459. That's 087-268-5459. I'll also put that number on the show notes for this episode too. And I'll tweet out the number in um, on tweets. My tweet is, uh, my Twitter handle is at giftgrubmario. Happy memory hunting and best of luck to you all. So, back to the sketches. We regularly receive emails from you asking for Vincent Brown to appear on the show. Well, finally, I've brought him back from the ages. What would Vincent Brown make of this godforsaken country we live in right now. <coughs> All right. Uh, welcome back to the return of tonight with Vincent Brown, <coughs> 2021. What is going on in this country at all? Simon Coveney, you're still hanging around here like a bad smell. Simon Coveney, wh- wh- what do you want? Vincent, I want to apologise to the people. Uh, all right, for... all right. Apologise for what? Well, for the Sapone scandal, why, obviously. Why would you be apologising for this? Well, Simon. there was a job paying €15,000 and I made... So, 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 so you offered someone a job? No, I did not offer someone a job. I said I might put in a word. So, so you someone... might put in a word? And? And technically, that is cronyism, Vincent, and that's why I am here to... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you call that cronyism? Well, that's... have you ever heard of the planning tribunal, Simon Coveney? Yes, I have. And well, for... who do you think you are, Liam Lawler or something? No, no. You call that a scandal? That is a a pathetic, a pathetic attempt at a scandal, Simon Coveney. Vincent, if I can just get Shut in there up for... for a second, right. Leo Varadkar. Yeah. What are you doing, looking so sheepish over there? Oh, well, Vincent, I want to apologise as well. For what? Uh, for what? Well, there were a few issues regarding phone messages, which I was kind of involved sorry. in. Sorry, 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 uh, sorry. Yeah. A few phone messages. Yeah. About what? Well, the Sapone thing, obviously. That's oh, what we're talking about. This thing again. This thing. Yeah. Leo Varadkar, did you bug journalists' phones? What? Did you knowingly bug journalists' phones? Jesus, no. Well, what? maybe you should have. <clears throat> what? Because then at least it would have been a bloody scandal. What What are you talking about? Sapone gate. That's oh, what we're talking stop calling it gate. Stop, stop calling it gate. It doesn't deserve the word gate. Mihal Martin, yes, what yes. are you doing? You're in charge of these clowns. Well, yes, I must be a responsibility for this scandal as well. Sorry, what scandal are you I'm, talking about? But this, this, this Sorry, did thing. a supermarket tycoon give you a million quid in exchange for favours, Mihal Martin? No, Vincent. But that's did you say a... thanks, big fella? What you Answer talk- the question. Did you say thanks, big fella? No, I did not say thanks, well, big fella. Well, then shut up what? and come back to me when you're found in a car park with a suitcase full of cash. You people are so <clears throat> spineless. You cannot even but, orchestrate a decent bloody scandal. But the, at least it used to be a better crack. Well, all right, that's it for now. Good night. Good night. Good night. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
and I'm delighted to be able to bring Vincent um, back on to the show. Um, maybe even someday I'll get to interview him on this podcast. But for the moment uh, and in the weeks and months to follow, I hope to, um, thanks to you, actually, um, uh, reignite the Vincent Brown sketches and what he would make of the country as it is today. Right. So it's time for the main event. John Spillane, are you ready? Are you buckled in? Are you ready for the ride? Here we go. John Spillane is about to come to the microphone. All you have to do is picture yourself alone, walking on your lovely road with the leaves in the trees and your earbuds in your ears. You're looking up to the sky and John Spillane and Mario come in your ear. Off we go, folks! Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you divil, you divil, Rosenstach. Happy days, happy days. Yeah. Uh, John, listen, um, thanks a million for joining me on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. And um, just one thing, one thing I want to clear up before we start, especially for our listeners. Um, a lot of people are tweeting me at the moment going, hey, is that you singing in that stupid Cornetto ad? And I'm going, what? Me? I don't sing in the Cornetto ad. Uh, it's some other guy doing a Cornetto ad. He's going, just one Cornetto. Mm-hmm. And that's not me. That's not me singing the Cornetto ad. But just to clear this up with our listeners, John, it is you doing the Inchi, Lo- Inchi Donny Lodge and Spa though, ad, though, isn't it? It is me. Doing, would you like to hear it? Yes. Go on. Um, it, it's me you can actually Inchidani do it live. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, it's not me doing the Cornetto. I would make a better job at a Cornetto. I you mean, definitely man, would. Dad, he's struggling a bit, isn't he? He's struggling a bit. Yeah. But this engine, Donny, this is a classic. This is David Bowie-esque. It's unbelievable. It's the best way to get in there, man, is to get the, the voucher. Do the ad, get the voucher, and uh, <laughs> enter, the, enter the, the spa. Uh, exactly. It's a lovely, lovely place. So, here we go. You will never be charged into that spa. Go on, John. Shh, here's the scene. Oh, there it is. Wake up to the sound of the sea. Walk along miles of deserted beaches. Miles like. Inchidani Island, Lodge and Spa. Clonakilty, West Cork. Log on to www.inchidanilodgeandspa.ie. Phone 696969. Call 1850 715 815. The live line is open. Woohoo! Very good, John. It's such a there beautiful piece of music. But did you actually compose the little piece of music as well? Well, the piece of music is one of my um, beautiful songs. It's called "There Which Was a Man," it? and it? uh, it's a it's a tender love song. And I just used the, the guitar riff to um, for the ad. Ah, oh, that's beautiful, beautiful. And it's lasted. Stand, it stood the test of time. Yeah, well, every time, time that it comes on, my wife says, "John, the ad is on. Make the call. Get the vote." I know. And I've taken the piss out of it about a hundred times on the radio. Thank I you, use Mario. it, in all, but I but I also do it in all sorts of different situations. So no matter what's happening, for example, I'll go picture yourself in a deserted auditorium <laughs> with no audience because they're all self-isolating at home due to COVID nineteen. Masks, food in the cupboard, protecting themselves against the impending arrival of Armageddon. Call Nefet. 1850-915 We're all going to die <laughs> Do you want to hear a verse of the real song? Yeah, go on There was a man who took a wife To walk beside him through his life They walked through sunshine and through rain They walked through pleasure and through pain She wore a dress of yellow gold She was a wonder to behold And underneath a purple sky She was 
There was a man, yeah? There was a man. John, whenever you sing a song, because I remember meeting you so many years ago, it's as if you compose, when you compose a song, it's as if you need to be struck by a kind of a magic and then the magic comes out through your song. And it's as if you need to open yourself up to the magic, a bit like Keith Richards often said he did, to, to receive the kind of magic. But, but, but it's as if your songs are kind of, um, it's as if your songs are kind of sort of touched with fairy dust or something that there's a bit of a magic to them like I was listening before we came on there to the mad woman of Cork it's just it's absolutely amazing what, like what's that about thank you so much well um, that's lovely that you say that because you know I think when you enter when you say I'm going to go for this song you know you have to really um, call on everything at, at your disposal the, the, the mad woman of Cork is an exception because um, the words are not by myself they're by Patrick Galvin who was a big hero of mine he was a Cork poet from Margaret Street, Cork, who passed away in the year 2011. And his most famous poem is The Mad Woman of Cork. But he wrote some brilliant books. Song for a Poor Boy, Song for a Raggy Boy, Song for a Fly Boy. And Song for a Raggy Boy, of course, was turned into that famous movie, Irish movie starring Aidan Quinn about his time in the Barstow. So um, he wrote The Mad Woman of Cork. And um, he says he wrote it about a mad woman who was around Green Street in Cork in the 1950s. Um, But it sounds a lot to me, like a, a mad woman who was around um, the west side of Cork City when I was a kid in the 60s called Nan Bird. And Nan Bird was mad and she went around with broken umbrellas and she dressed in black and she scared all the children. Yeah. Wow, 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 so, wow. So that's the mad woman of Cork. Uh, my mind fills me. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, I went to, I have an affinity with Cork as well because I went to school there for three years and it cast its spell over me. Um, I remember it cast its spell over me um, because that's where I began performing. I began performing in Cork. A kind of a magic came over me, a kind of a sense of romanticism uh, came over me when I went no? to Cork. Um, yeah, and it was, so I was only 14 and so I was going through that special age in a person's life when you're changing and things become, uh, things that happen to you at that age in your life be- have a big impression on you. So I found like my first sort of, if you like, love and 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 flirtations and and romantic engagements and and then the, the whole idea of performing and everything. And it was I always mix it up with Cork, um, but I, I I still couldn't. I still would not be able to do any justice to why Cork is so special. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. When What is so different about Cork? What is, what is the magic of Cork? What makes it so obviously different? I mean, one of the things I wrote down in my notes is, you know, Cork, Cork, Cork people sometimes act as if, you know, they don't, they, just, they don't even care who's listening outside. They don't care who's listening to anything else. Or they don't care what fad or trend is happening outside Cork. They're Cork. They're going to do the way Cork is going to do it. And that's the way it's going to be done. Hence the independence thing and the rebels and, you know, you know, we're the real republic and the real capital and all this. What's so special about Cork, John? OK, well, I mean, for me, uh, I, like I went to school, primary school in St. Joseph's School on the Mardike in Cork. And there was a big flock of swans on the river at the back of the school. So f- straight away from early, early, from my first day at school, it was almost like Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, magic realistic, um, you know, that imaginative South American. South, um, South American writing. I see him um, on the on the wall behind you. I've got a poster. I love um, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. This one is called The General in His Labyrinth. That's me here. Welcome to the hit factory, uh, Mario Rosenstock. So yeah. um so so yeah, a sense of magic realism, you know, and um also where I lived in the suburbs of Cork at the bottom of our back garden, um there was the ditch. And the ditch was full of wonder and mystery and nature. And below the ditch was the orchard. 
and be, beyond the orchard was the meadow and you had the countryside there. And the nearest thing I've got to, to describing what was at the bot- bottom of my garden as a child is a book I found called um, The Queen of Elfland's Daughter by Lord Dunsany. Have you ever read Lord Dunsany? No. Nobody has read Lord Dunsany. He was a kind of an Anglo-Irish, um, land, you know, ascendancy writer uh, about 100 years ago from the Bog of Allen, from Offaly, somewhere, I think, you know, around there. And he wrote these um, books, which are very Tolkien-esque type fantasy books. But um, check out The King of Elfland's Daughter by Lord Dunsany or any of any books by Lord Dunsany, yeah. a wonderful writer who's been totally forgotten about in this country. Yeah. And this, so anyway, the, yeah. it's the sense of magic. Yes, yes. And this is what Cork is for you. Yeah, well, it just that's my experience of childhood. So um, that was in Cork. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm surprised when I meet people from other parts of the country who don't have that similar sense of, you know, the magic realism of childhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the things Patrick and I were talking about before uh, you came on today was like, obviously, we live in a world where we get down on ourselves so much in the media and we are so self-critical of our own country um, so much. Uh, and because of the preponderance of social media and everything, it's just a lot of toxicity and toxic neg- negativity and everything. But you're somebody who unashamedly has a deep sort of love of your own country, aren't you? I am. And, you know, something, the way I see Ireland, it's like Game of Thrones, man. It's like an enormous board game, right? You know, all the counties and all the history and you've, yeah. you've got the layers going down. So, I mean, like, um, like, well, it's on. I have it on the phone now on my smartphone. You know, I mean, I go around writing songs about places like Navan. I do a lot of Cork ones, but I'm writing a song about Galway. Like this new record now, there's a lot of songs about, you know, a mountain in South Armagh. Yeah. My Clare song is out at the moment under that old Clare moon. Yeah. So you go into the, um, you go to loganon.ie first, and you know, you get all the, the secrets of the Irish origins of the place. You get the history that happened there. And then you go to the Din Shanachus, which is the lore and medieval texts. Um, with the, the lore of places and um, there's goddesses everywhere buried in the landscape um, so it's a fascinating like Ireland is like I suppose you could call me a kind of a hibernophile yes do you know yeah that you're so, that you are an Ireland lover I'm an Ireland lover yeah I mean it doesn't mean that I don't love other countries I just wasn't didn't, haven't got around to them yet mm. but um, I'm, I'm doing I did a gig last night man on, the, on a stream with a Welsh storyteller Daniel Morden, who's a brilliant storyteller, very deep and scary. And we did the story of Gwion. And that's the story of Fionn McCool and the magic fish. You know, he gets the knowledge and, you know, from, well, the Welsh version is called Gwion. And it's not a fish, like it's a cauldron of um, uh, poetry. Yes. And, uh, so, so Finn so McCool like, got the, Finn McCool, didn't he get the, the, the salmon of knowledge from, was it Phineas or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was to he was to mind the fire and guard the whole situation mm. and um, perhaps even catch the fish and cook the fish. But he wasn't wasn't to touch it. Mm. And um, it was, of course, you know, it was in the um, Lenfic. Uh, what was it called? Linfec. It was in this pool where um, five streams flowed in seven hazel trees and the nuts from the hazel trees fell into the um, into the pool. The salmon ate the, the nuts of the hazels from the tree of knowledge and was full of knowledge. And then um, the boy inadvertently. Uh, tastes the fish and gets this foresight. It sees the future and the past at the same time. Guion does it in the Welsh mythology. And um, it's a beautiful story. And he told it so striking. But uh, there's no Fionn. There's no Fionn McCool. But it's um, this young poet called Guion yeah. who's minding the pot. 
And um, anyway, so I suppose every country has it, but, you know, there's a lot of mythology uh, in Ireland uh, and there's a lot of um, history and there's a lot of, you know, romanticism going on. And you allow yourself to be immersed in these various different mythological stories from every county or from any county you visit. And maybe that helps to inspire you. Yeah, especially with a bottle of wine and a smartphone late at night. <laughs> and you can go dive into this med- medieval text, you know. And uh, like, I mean, I found two goddesses in County Limerick um, last summer when I was gigging, or uh, summer before the COVID. Knock uh, uh, Anya, Knock Any, there's the mountain of Anya. And 17 miles away, there's the mountain of um, Griana in Palace Green. Now, Palace Green is known as a tough town, you know, um, but there's this mountain at the back of it, which is the Palisade of the Sun. And she's a sun goddess who turned her enemies into badgers, Mario, and they got eaten by their own people. And it's this brilliant Greek myth that no one ever heard of in, a, in, the, in the quiet countryside of County Limerick. You know, two goddesses up there. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. Yeah, so these songs are all basically written for you already. They're all just waiting for you. And you just have to pluck them out of the ether. Isn't that right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know Moncon McGann? I do. I read his book. Moncon McGann and you hanging out together would be absolutely fantastic. I mean, he can he knows every little nook and, crav- and crevice of Ireland and the mythology behind it. Uh, and I can see you tapping away with your smartphone there now. Yeah, his book is quite brilliant. Um, 32 words for field. Um, it's quite sad, the book I found, because he, you know, he mourns the disappearance of so much Irish language, even during his own lifetime, you know, so many words for different types of stones and fields and all that kind of stuff. My, my uncle Gabriel, of course, is a, an absolute ardent uh, Irish speaker and, you know, he's a Gael Gore and, yeah. you know, he, he would have 32 different words for every, every English word in Irish. You know, I remember he came on my radio show and he told me the story of the word boher and boher, of course, is, a, is, a, is an Indian word, really. And, oh, uh, is, it, is it wide enough for a cow to pass? Is that what he said? That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. It, it's, it's, it's har is the width of the road for the bow to pass. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, he's a brilliant man, uh, Gabriel Rosenstock. I have come across him once or twice at gigs and stuff down the years. And I, I don't think there's very many people have contributed so much as he has to the, you know, the amount of books he's written, like and children's stories and translations and uh, fabulous character. Yeah. Do you love the Irish language yourself? I do. Yeah, I got into it. And I enjoyed tramping the roads of um, Ballyvorney and Coley and West Kerry, learning Irish. And um, ah, it's one of these things, you know, when you get into it, you think everyone else should get into it as well. Mm. Uh, you've, you sung, you've, you've composed in Irish and sung in Irish and written songs in Irish. Is it, is yeah. it, is it, is it a different process than writing songs in English? Does it, it blend itself? Yeah, what's different about it? Okay, um, rock and roll and pop music don't go very well with the Irish language mm. because they sound a bit cheesy and a bit corny. Like again, in Wales, there's a lot of um, pop song and rock and music to the Welsh language. But when you put trad music to the Irish language, they go hand in glove. Hmm. So, um, so the pop Irish stuff doesn't really work for me. The rock and roll Irish doesn't really work for me. But if you go trad or if you go African or if you go to more ethnic rootsy music. Hmm. In fact, the Cajun music works very well with the Irish language. Uh, you discover as you go. Yeah. John, but, yeah, but you're... The Irish language has been very good to me. Yeah. Um, no, because I, I had an album called Irish Songs We Learned at School, which was a big success on EMI when we were signed to EMI 2008. And there I was, uh, Mario, Christmas week, 2008, like up in the top 10. Myself, Beyonce, Britney Spears and Joe Dolan battling it out <laughs> in the top 10. And there was me singing Body Nile Me 
um trusting the donta um or oh shit or oh shit of a hoalia or oh shit of a hoalia or oh shit of a hoalia and it's share hot on i got to get to sing all those songs and um you know as i say it was very the irish language has been very good to me you were saying um you were saying that you you, you were you've turned 60 this year um has the, you know when I said a few minutes ago that your songs need magic, your songs need magic to descend upon you like fairy dust. Does the magic come in different ways when you're young? Is it different when you're 25 or 55? Yeah. What's different? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I, I think, I think when you're young, you know, you get you get gifted to a certain extent. There's a bit of beginner's luck, and you don't really know what you're doing. And like when I was in my early 20s, I wrote a couple of beautiful songs, but I didn't really know how I had written them or what the process is. Yeah. And you often find people who write and they talk about writing, but they don't really know what they're talking about because it's one thing doing something and it's another thing describing, you know. So I've often heard poets talking about poetry and they're just talking. It's not real. You know, they come up with theories. So I think that we don't really know what we're doing. And um, so I wrote a couple of lovely songs when I was in my early 20s and then I went through, I'd say, almost 10 years of writer's block and was unable to see how I had done that and how to do it again. Is that because you became self-conscious about the fact that you had written some lovely songs but didn't know how you did it? Yeah. And that's what caused the writer's block? I suppose so. And I, I think maybe it was, maybe I just was unhappy in general or something, but I, I are afraid, you know, but it, there's a whole psychology to do with it. But I think when I reached the age of about 32 or 33, I said, this is no good. This isn't working out for me. I wanted to be, you know, a songwriter and a great songwriter. And so I think I just became brave. And I said, well, this is the best song I can write at the moment. And this is my song. I understand what you mean. And in a sense, you were saying, I'm not afraid to fail then. Yeah. And when you say you're not afraid to fail, you have more chance of being yourself and succeeding, whatever succeeding means. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I did break through and I did write. I've been writing a, like a never ending stream of songs, really, since I was 33, almost. And I do songwriting workshops and I'm able to turn people on. Like yeah. I, and I did you, find, did you can... find the way of turning yourself on then to well, writing the song? Well, the, the way of, of, turn, of turning yourself on and the way of writing the song is just just do it and don't think about it at all. Just do yeah. it. And so I can do it with other people by creating a space where I can get them to do what they're told and they can do it. Well, that's an interesting one as well, because I write sketches. Right. So I have to write sketches every day, except I'm a human being. I'm not a machine. So. I can come to the table in all sorts of varying degrees of moods, unhappiness, sadness, happiness, normality, hungover, um, whatever. Or, or a family member may have died or uh, I might have a bad knee, mm-hmm. something like that. And I still have to write a sketch. And one of the things I learned down through the years of how to write a sketch was getting it out of my head that there was a right answer and a wrong answer to this sketch. Okay. When you see it as a mathematical formula, you're in trouble. If you okay. see it that, oh, how do I find the solution to this problem? You're in trouble. What it is, is you must release yourself to just write. And by writing in an area where you're broadly going towards, you will probably arrive at a destination which is among a million right answers. Yes. In other words, in other words there's a million ways to do this right. There's no wrong way. Just go yes. towards the window of, uh, uh, that, that says yes. Like, go for it. In other words, whatever, whatever, I write a sketch and I go, was that the right answer? No, it was just one of a million good sketches you could have done around the same subject. So yes. Just release I, yourself, write, be on automatic, create. 
Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Mario. You know, it's exactly the same for me. And I often compare it to like, um, will I have, a, you know, the choices that you face? Will I have a pink snack or a blue snack or a yellow snack? doesn't matter what snack you have because you don't know where you're going anywhere. Anyway, so just pick one and keep going. Yeah. How many songs have you written, John? Well, I started when I was 16 and I've written uh, 215 songs on an opera. Yeah. And just to go back to what you said there, when you write a song, you just begin writing. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's the big thing that I teach people at, at workshops and I work. I do for myself as well. It's the undertaking of the project, really. And it's the diving off, you know, off the edge and going into it. Like I'm able to do that now, you know, and whatever happens, you know, I. A lot of it is not being critical of yourself, not being self-critical and not and, and shutting out the judge or the person says who says, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a cat, That's right. you, know, you know, these That's voices. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And, and often I've made jokes about you behind your back in a very positive way, not in a negative way. But like I take the piss out of you when I'm talking to Ian or whatever. And, uh, you know, it'll be like um, was John Spillane there, he might say or something. And I go, I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant. Ian, I was there and I am absolutely brilliant. Because one of the first times I met you, I said, how are you? And like you were so alive, but you were saying I'm brilliant and I'm great. And I really I kind of responded to that straight away. Because what you were, you weren't being arrogant or <laughs> far from it. What you were doing was you're projecting a huge positivity. You were projecting a positivity that the world was brilliant. I'm brilliant in this world. The world around me is brilliant. Why wouldn't I be brilliant? Isn't it brilliant to be alive? I can feel the brilliance around me. Uh, let's be brilliant together. Let's all be brilliant. <laughs> it was a sharing thing. Now, yeah. and, and, and of course, with your Cork accent, when a Cork person says, I'm brilliant, they go, oh, Jesus, there's the fucking Cork Egypt saying he's brilliant. Yeah, uh, uh, Look, but, but, but it's a different vibe coming from you. Yeah, I it's love a positivity. when you take the piss out of me. I love it, when you take the piss out of me. Yeah, but man. it's a positivity. It's a positivity. It's something that's a little bit, it's a bit un-Irish, isn't it? It is a bit un-Irish, yeah. And I, I think I have it from, as I say, probably 10 years of writer's block and, uh, you know, coming to a point in my life in my 30s where I said, John, you got to get your act together. Like, this this dream is not going to happen on its own. So, yeah, I had, a, I had a song and I had an album called Will We Be Brilliant or What? Then I got signed and discovered by EMI Records, the greatest record company in the world. So the positivity really works. And, um, you know, Fair Play to Me was my big... Um, <laughs> I remember call, catch call fair play to me and yeah. uh will we be brilliant or what and yeah. you know there was a well done everyone it was another yeah. one i had well and, um, done everyone well yeah, done a lot of catchphrases of um and people were very surprised by them yeah you know people are caught off guard by what positivity what's that exactly you know yeah. exactly exactly and in this world of positivity john um because i haven't t- i haven't talked to you in a couple of years now about these things but in this world of positivity um how how are you? How how is your how is how have you been all your life? I mean, have you always been a positive person, or have you all have you ever suffered from? Uh, you know, you said you suffered from writer's block there, but have you ever been down about things or anything, or is that positivity just innate in you? No, I have been down about things definitely, and I have had a, you know quite a difficult journey at times personally, you know, with relationships etc. So I think the positivity is, I like to say, it's all put on. Mm. Like it's more of a conscious choice than it's, you know, a natural innate thing. Mm. So like when I say, will we be, will we be brilliant or what? You know, it's, it's like, your manifesto. What is your option? 
Yeah, what? it's your ma- it's your manifesto. It's a manifesto. It's a conscious choice. It's like, what is the other option? Like, you know. Yeah, what is the other option? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so so it is put on, and it is um, a conscious decision. Yeah, I love some of the stories uh, you you shared with uh, Patrick there as well about writing stuff and uh, you know things coming to you and how songs coming to you. There was two especially that uh, about Brian Eno. Um, that was an interesting one. Tell me the story about the Brian Eno thing. Sure. Well, um, you know. I recorded this album, 100 Snow White Horses, in London with my friend and producer, John Reynolds. It's my fourth album I've made with him, you know, but it had been 10 years since I was there. And I love going to London to record with John, like it's a great buzz. And uh, every morning, John walks in Hyde Park with his uh, two big um, English Mastiffs. And um, he's joined by his friend, Brian Eno, like another record producer and a dear friend of John's and one of the most famous people on the planet, really. You know, one of the greatest artists, the man who invented ambient um, music, etc. You know, you know, letting the days go by, music flowing underground, you know, David Byrne, you name it, um, you two and all that. Heroes, David Bowie. David Bowie, like, you know, um, you know, Talking Heads, David Bowie, Roxy Music. So um, Brian, a, a real gentleman and a very guy, you know, his latest campaign is um, uh, No Music on a Dead Planet. You know, he's uh, like, he's all about saving the planet at the moment and this kind of stuff. But um, so he walks in the park with John and when I'm over recording, I get to walk in the park with, with John Reynolds and Brian Eno and it's just like lovely. And we talk, you know, and I, I'm, um, I can be quite entertaining, you know, with... Irish mythological anecdotes and he enjoys that. So um, I yeah. told him, I say, uh, Brian, I say, um, the artwork for my new album arrived this morning and the album is called 100 Snow White Horses. And, and Brian says, how lovely. And I said, and the artwork, I said, it depicts one white horse, you know? And he says, yeah. He said, well, maybe you shouldn't be so um, literal, you know? He said, hang on a second. He said, stand there and face that way, take a selfie. And uh, no, take a picture of, not a selfie, a picture of your shadow on in the daisies of Hyde Park. So I take this picture and he says, send it to me and I'll workshop it. And I'm going, oh my God, Brian Eno is going to workshop my picture. So I send it to Brian and uh, nothing happens for a while. And then we're saying, are we going to wait? Is it going to happen? Should we, we can't really hassle him, you know. Uh, um, you couldn't pay for it, like. Yeah. So, um, so we continue and we get other artwork. And Mushy, the artist, the designer, comes up with the Milky Way. We leave the horses and we go to the Milky Way. 100 Snow White horses are now stars in the galaxy, nice which was lovely too. And then it arrives from, from Eno, um, the artwork. And um, he basically, I don't know what he did with it. He, he workshopped it. He moved daisies around. He made it symmetrical. He moved, you know, he computer, he computerized it up and um, sent two versions. And I have artwork by Brian Eno. And I was told, I was warned in London that, if you use that or if you mention it, it's not going to be good for your album because all, all they're going to talk about is Eno and you're, the album will be ignored. But I think it's, it's cool in, in Ireland because you're the first person really to ask me the story. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's not as giant here perhaps as he is in England. Maybe. I don't know. So anyway, I have it. Oh, and wow. um, it, it's just it's a lovely, uh, lovely, lovely moment. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's time for a short commercial break. You know by now that Curry's PC World stock world-class TVs and kitchen appliances, but you will also find a great range of laptops there in their stores nationwide too. And of course, at this time of year, laptops, well, they're a very precious commodity, as parents get their school and college-going kids all kitted out for the new academic year. But for some well-known parents, the pressure is on. 
Hello, good evening and welcome to Primetime. Well, look, back to school and college is causing panic with a rush on quality laptops being reported all over the country. Fran has more details. That's right, Miriam. It's absolute bedlam out there. The market leader in the area, Curry's PC World, are saying their top-of-the-range laptops are going fast, literally disappearing off the shelves. Oh my God. With pupils and students heading back to college, Curry's are advising okay, uh, people to get in there fast. Okay, back to you, Miriam. See you, Miriam. Bye. Where, you, where are you going? Cover for me! Hi! Uh, am I too late? Welcome to Curry's PC World. How can I help you? I need 15 of your best laptops. Mm-hmm. Please tell me you have them. I'm sure we can help. So, what class do you uh, teach yourself? Uh, they're for my children. What? Genuinely. Back to school and college in style with Curry's PC World. So listen, get yourself down to Curry's PC World and check out the great range of laptops and special laptop promotions while there's still time. Um, your your songs, like your songs, you were saying they're fair play, or, or f- 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 will we be brilliant or what? And fair play to me and all this sort of stuff. I mean, like some of your songs have very unusual titles and also they're just very arresting. They just jump out. Um, I mean, even like that, Dunst, isn't it the Dunstores girl? Yeah. I can't remember just being, I found that very arresting. And the cherry tree, the dance of the cherry tree, was that was kind of a celebrate, well, for me, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I remember listening to that and going, that's just a, a celebration of the marvel of nature. And Absolutely, the, yeah. the, the magic of nature and uh, the dance that is nature and that it has a personality all its own and that the personality of nature lives side by side with us humans and it, sometimes it laughs on us, sometimes it's sad for us, sometimes it plays with us, but like it has its own character, its own, it's, you know, so I, I love the way, um, tell me about some of your other interesting, if you like, interesting named or, or, or sure, arresting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, like my songs were like for many years, like I, I, I'm kind of successful late in life, you could say, you know, and that I, I got discovered, I got signed when I was 40. I'd been writing since I was 16, you know, yeah. and my songs were kind of odd and idiosyncratic and they were described as quirky, you know, yeah. and Shay Healy was the first person to have me on the radio and he just said... Uh, was I, he? Yeah, That's I was in a thing called so- Sounds Promising back in 1984, yes. and he, he saw something in me and he thought he always just said that it was a quirkiness but it seemed like something that would not be commercially viable. You know what I mean? That it wouldn't be, that nobody would ever cover these songs or that they would not be successful. Yes. You know, commercially. And I often had um, um, titles which were long and odd as well. I had a song called, I Won't Be Afraid Anymore. I often had five words in the title, Mario. I Won't Be Afraid Anymore. Will we be brilliant or what? I'm going to set you free. Um, The Dance of the Cherry Trees. Um, Yes. There was a man who took a wife. You know, kind of. So they were seen. They were like little poems, really, with music, and and odd enough. But it worked out. See, if you if um, it works out in the end, if you're, if you can do something like that, mm. yeah, yeah. You know, if you can bring uh, it on, yeah. And and back with this album and being able to hopefully perform again soon for somebody like you who is very kinetic in the way you do things. As you say, you love workshopping with with people uh, making music, and and I know you love being in front of a crowd. How has it been for you for the last 18 months? It was good. Um, I had a good um, career with the positive See, you looked at the positive side of it. Yeah. There was no way you were going down the negative road. Well, I, I, I did get a bit freaked out at the start, you know. I mean, I did have to cancel a lot of work and I and there was, you know, there was debts and there was certain bills and stuff. And um, But once I got over that, I was good. And um, I did, I, I flung open the, the gates of the hit factory wide open and I accepted uh, commissions for songs and I got a load of customers 
And oh. I, st- I still do have a lot of... I, there was a thing, I had a, um, a funded campaign for this new record, mm. EMI no longer being a, a, in existence, yeah. unfortunately, the greatest record mm. company in the world. And um, But uh, so there was a thing in the Irish Examiner, John Spillane will write you a song for a grand. It was for my funded campaign and I got yes. like... I got five of those and then I got a, a number of other commissions and then the songs were so brilliant, Mario, I had to put the price up. So um, the, the better the songs get, the more the price goes up. Great. So, so I was writing a lot of uh, commissions and um, it's pressure. Uh, and were you creative through the 18 months? Did you feel uh, creative? Yeah, completely. Great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because it must have been a complete change of pace. It was. It was, it was good for me, you know. I mean, yeah. um, I needed a break. I was on the hamster wheel, you know, like... yeah. Yeah, I was always a little bit behind chasing my tail kind of thing. I know what you mean. Yeah. So Same I had here. a good I had a good COVID. I, it was good for me. It was a break. Yeah, a yeah. forced break, a forced yeah. break. And this means, of course, would you, am I right in saying then that you would have a renewed energy for getting out in front of people again? I am, yeah. And I've been out, like, I mean, last week was busy, you know, like, but the weather was gorgeous, but there was a number of outdoor gigs. And, um, you know, I found it very, the first, I found really emotional, you know, singing, like we've been really crying singing these songs. You know what I mean? Um, a bit too emotional, maybe, you know, and uh, nervous, you know, mm, and good. so maybe it's a good thing. I see it, it as a good, good thing. It's, it's refinding your 16-year-old self there, John. Yeah, well, it's interesting, you know, but um, but it's it's lovely to do it. So here we go. We're, we're going to be opening up again shortly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's going to be good anyway. John, I'm going to come to you to the rudimentary part of our interview now, right? The the stuff that I would ask uh, maybe more normal guests than yourself. And that was uh, one of the the questions was, any any stuff that you wanted to get off your chest? Any stuff that's grinding your gears? Any stuff that's bugging you at the moment? And you just wrote back, COVID deniers, anti-maskers, anti-immigration racists. Tell Talk to me. Well, the thing about the COVID deniers is that, like, you know, they say it's all a scam. And I say, like, how could it be all a scam? Like, has every government in the whole world been fooled? And by who? And have they fooled us? And are they even capable of this? They can't even run a golf yoke in, uh, in Spiddle in Connemara, you know, and get <laughs> yeah, away yeah. with it. I mean, I don't think, you know, so there's a, sometimes there's a lack of logic in people that I find, you know, um, you know, well, frustrating. And the thing about the immigration and the the you know anti-immigrants and the racism is that like you know they don't want all these people coming in here like you know into our country. You know what I mean from other nationalities. But they, they seem to think it's fine for Irish people to go anywhere they want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it does. It, it's it's there's that connection is never made. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. are you meant to stay in the country? You be locked into the country of your birth. Everyone, everywhere around the world. I know. No. There's there's a bit of a logical um, a logical deception there, isn't there? It's it's logically flawed. You see this. You see this kind of lack of um, connected thinking. Yeah, I think this is what Steve Bannon and his kind of ilk kind of ultimately want to do. They want to have a kind of a a change, a world, a nihilism, a kind of a change in the new world order that everybody who is actually from the place that they are born stays in the place that they're born. And that that's the new world that will be created. It's a weird... But I mean, weird, that was never weirdo. the way. I mean, how did they all get to America, you know? Exactly. This was an interesting one. When you want to go for a, a, a nice, warm, relaxing laugh and something that you, you would go to, that comfort laugh, who did you pick? I picked um, a, a movie called Bowfinger by Steve Martin and, and Eddie Murphy. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. And I love it's, Steve Martin. And I love Eddie Murphy as well. Well, that's particularly early Eddie Murphy. Yeah, it's a very funny movie. I mean, like, I'm not a huge Steve Martin fan, but he's a very funny man. Like, But in this one, 
it's a very, very funny movie because Bowfinger, uh, Steve Martin is a movie maker with no money who wants to make a movie. And he, Eddie Murphy is a famous actor, but he has Eddie Murphy in his movie, but Eddie Murphy doesn't know he's in the movie. He's, he's, he's um, a paranoid, crazy actor. And he sees all these mad people following him around because he's in their movie, but he doesn't know what they're shooting him. And um, anyway, the plot of the movie is that we are being invaded by aliens and they come in raindrops. And the, the movie in the movie is called Chubby Rain. In the movie, Steve Martin, who is broke, you know, a movie maker with no money. He has this dream that one day this FedEx lorry is going to drive up the, the road where he lives and stop outside his house and hand him a parcel. FedEx, this is going to be, this is, this is his dream of success. But we were we were watching um, Bowfinger here. I just it was one of those movies I just loved, and um, it was the third of March two thousand and three, and I was going to Dublin to the Point Depot where I was nominated for um, an award called the Irish Music Awards Best Act Folk and Traditional, and um, I had to go to the Japanese embassy to get a visa um, the following day because I was going to Japan, and it was two thousand and three, and the. The Cherry Blossom song had come out in 2002 and I was invited to Japan because the Cherry Blossom trees are from Japan. And as we were leaving the house here, um, my wife and myself and two girls, and what came up the road, up Passage West, County Cork, a FedEx fan and handed me this envelope. (laughs) And I said, oh my God, I've never received anything from FedEx before, 2003 like. And um, it was my... um, papers for the uh, Japanese embassy the following day. And I went to Dublin with my FedEx envelope, won the um, Meteor Award for Best Act Folk and Traditional. It was handed to me by Stephen Ray, gave me the gong. Uh, it was uh, like a big night. And then I woke up in the morning, took my FedEx envelope, went to the Japanese embassy, got my visa and flew to Japan to the cherry blossom trees. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. through To the cherry blossom trees. Fantastic. And to put a twist in the story... The first place I landed was in Hiroshima, which is, which is um, you know, at the city. Absolutely, it's yeah. called the City of the Trees because after, and I was taken to the Holocaust Museum my first morning in Japan. You know, I didn't know they were going to do, to do that to me. Yeah. And um, they took me to the Holocaust Museum and it was really, really harrowing. And, you know, with, with jet lag and excitement and my, my meteor award uh, weighing down my bag, uh, my gong, uh, it was very harrowing. And um, it's called the City of the Trees because after the... Um, the Holocaust in Hiroshima, um, the city received a present of a tree from every other city in the world. So it's called the City of the Trees. Ah, yeah. Wow. Jesus, John. Nice one. Listen, Thank John. And another I'm, thing. Yeah, yes. Um, the cherry blossoms in Japan, they're more than cherry blossoms. You know, I mean, that's where the tree comes from. But it's like a religion over there. And in the, in the month of um, April in Japan, the first thing on the six o'clock news is the state of the, the blossom in every city. Hiroshima, 20% blossom. Nagasaki, 35% blossom. Tokyo, 65% blossom. And then when it hits 100% blossom, they take a day off. Oh, very good. Do you know about that crack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. John, there's one other aspect of this uh, podcast that we do, and that is that, you know, other people listen into this podcast when I'm doing it, while I'm doing it. Um, And they're listening. They're on the phone. Oh. And uh, so they they might ask you a question or whatever. And uh, I hope you're, you're, you're open for answering that, yeah? Yeah. So actually, I think, um, hang on, I just have to turn on the phone line here. I think the first, uh, the first person on the phone, oh yeah, Brendan O'Connor. Brendan O'Connor, for your Cork, Cork, uh, no. Cork, say hello to Brendan. Hello, Brendan. How are you doing, John? Great, great boy. Yeah, great to talk to you. Jesus, I'm really enjoying the conversation with Mario there. <laughs> um, so come here to me. Um, listen, I heard you talk about COVID there and uh, the racism. So, um... 
That would be brilliant. Would you like to come on the panel on, on Sunday, maybe, the political panel? Maybe with the guitar, sing a few songs about anti-immigration, racist, or COVID masks, or some mask deniers, or something. Would you be up for that? I would, of course, Brendan Boy, anything you want at all. And uh, thank you for the beautiful article you wrote about my song, Bishopstown, in your Sunday Independent uh, feature there a month or two ago. Thank That's you so no much. That's no problem at all. Ah, no, 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 no. It's a fair play to you, John. No, no, thanks a million, yeah. No, just a bit more about COVID would be great, because I'm a bit obsessed with COVID at the moment. So if you could write a few songs now about COVID or NFET or Tony Holland or something, that would be great. Thanks. Thanks, John. On the ball, Brendan Boy. Okay, th- thanks a million, John. Thank Good you, Brendan. Good luck. Good luck now. Ah, oh, that was lovely. That was lovely. Um, Hector O'Hyokagon is on the line as well, John. Oh, lovely. Um, say hello to Hector. Can I talk to Hector? Can I talk to Scobar? How are you? Tell me how you I love you. Oh, Jesus, I've never met anybody who loves Ireland as much as I do, except for John Spillane. John, what are your favourite three places in Ireland outside of Cork? Oh, Jeannie, that's a hard one now. Um... I'd have to say... I've got um, Tommy here with me, so we're just going to be laughing our holes off in the background. Don't we, Tommy? <laughs> well, I am, I am uh, writing a song about Navin at the moment, Hector, and... Um, Nava! I'm, yeah, I've written a song about Navin, and um, because I know you got an awful lot of slagging, you know, with the Navin man and the whole thing. So, a um, friend of mine from Navin, um, um, Barry Donnellan, uh, he made me a video about my County Clare song, Under That Old Clare Moon, and in exchange, I've written him a song for um, Navin. Would you like to hear a bar of Hector? Give us a bar of the Navin song, Scobo. Where two rivers join The black water Pours her heart and soul Into the boyne Flow, sacred river You know I'm a river too Navin, Navin town The golden sunlight Comes pouring down From heaven on the royal town, the county town of Navan. Something like that, Hector. Like, it's a work in progress. Tasha, in talk, Scobar. Will you come on our podcast, Tommy and Hector August? Laurita. <laughs> Thanks a million, Hector. Brilliant. Um, Jesus, John Creedon's on the line. Uh, uh, John, say hello to John Creedon. Hello, John boy. How are you? Hello, John. How are you, my old friend? John. I was just thinking there a moment ago. You don't have a nickname for somebody who loves the blues, the Irish blues. Normally, when I introduce my guests on my radio show, they all have nicknames like Tommy Blue Balls O'Neill or something. Is there some nickname that we can give John Spillane so that I can play a record on the radio? What nickname would you have? John? Well, I, I fought off a no- number of nicknames in my childhood in Cork, John, so... um. Nothing really has stuck, you know, for for a long time. But you can call me um, Johnny what? Um, Johnny Passage. Johnny Passage Spillane. That would be Passage West, would it? Passage West-like. Passage West. That's lovely. Thanks a million, John. Fair play to you. Thank you, John. And that was a deep moment of corkishness between the two of you. Deep moment of cork. John, by the way, who's the most... Can you... Who's the most cork person you've ever met? Oh... The most Cork person I've ever met. Well, you know, there used to be um, street I mean, that Nan Bur- Nanny Bird. Nan Nan Bird. Bird. Sa- she Nan sounds Bird very good. Cork. There was a guy called, um, um, well, you know, there's Billa. I'm very fond of Billa. Who's Billa? Billa is, he was a, a, um, a dame in the pantomimes uh, in okay. Cork for many years. Yeah. Billa O'Connell. And Billa, um, there was Cha, there was Moya, 
there was Billa, they were picking blackers uh, in Ringabella, and they were down in Pana, and everything ended in Ah uh, when I was a kid. Uh, and we went out to the Greener, and we were hanging around <laughs> yeah, yeah, picking yeah. the blackers by the Greener, and everything ended in Ah. Yeah. There was a fellow called Manta, and all them names. I remember Chan Maya and Hall's Pictorial Weekly. Chan Maya, yes. yeah, they were fat. Remember that. Remember that. Remember Hall's Chan Maya and Hall's Pictorial. And listen, um, we asked, the final thing we ask you to do, John, is we ask you, um, would you like to be interrogated by Miriam O'Callaghan? Would you like to be eviscerated by Roy Keane? And, or would you like to be celebrated by Christy Moore? What did you choose? Celebrated by Christy Moore. Well, you wouldn't believe this, but he's on the line. He's actually on the line. Would you believe that, John? Say hello to Christy. Hey, Christy. How's it going, John? John, that's an absolutely spellbinding interview you've given um, Mario there. And uh, I hope you don't mind, um, but I've actually um, wrote a little uh, song myself in tribute to you, John, if that's all right, yeah? Oh, thank you, Christy. well, you can play along with it if you want to, because I have me bower on. Okay. And you can you can fiddle along with your guitar when you hear the bower on. Is that okay, John? Lovely. All right. So here we go. I'll get the old bower on going now. Can you hear the bower on there? Lovely. Can you hear the bower on? Yeah. You can start picking the way there if you want to. Go on. Oh, get up the yard. There's no better man. I singing the song than the bow John Spillane. He doesn't need a guitar. He'll play with a hurley. He's a whirling dervish with a hair so curly. He sings his songs by the River Lee. You'll find John underneath a cherry tree. He'll write a song about anything. He'll give it a whirl. I hear he went shopping once and came out with the Dunstores girl. Because he's John Spillane. He's got some jizz. I know he's brilliant, because he told me he is. Is that okay, John? I'm honoured, Christy, honoured. <laughs> Christy, thanks a million. The great Christy Moore paying tribute to John Spillane. Christy, you can stop playing the baron now. That's okay. Christy, you can stop playing the baron. Thanks. John, isn't that wonderful? I love Christy. Love him. I know you do. I know you do. And that's why I wanted to pay tribute to you as uh, Christy Moore. John, that's about it. Thank you so much um, for joining me um, on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Thank you so much, Mario. And thank you for taking the piss out of me for all these years. It's a great (laughs) honour. It is a great honour. And it's a great honour for me as well. And, And listen, more power to you. And continue your power and your brilliance. And continue pouring the fairy dust on your songs and the poetry. And coming out with those quirky songs, um, which are financially viable as well, John. Don't forget (laughs) that. Hey. John, thanks a million. Thanks. Thank you so much, Mario. Well, there it is. John Spillane. Um, It's a while since I spoke to him. Such a lovely character and a gent. He has a few gigs coming up over the next few months around the country. Make sure you check them out. Go and support our artists. JohnSpillane.ie He's brilliant in concert uh, and very funny too. And um, you can catch him on his own website there to find out the details. Thanks, of course, as always, to Curry's PC World. Make sure you get your stories in, your embarrassing stories of your school or college days, to be in with a shout of winning that lovely HP Pavilion 2-in-1 laptop. Details are in the show notes just down below this podcast. Okay, that's me done. See you next time. Same place, same time next week. Bye-bye.